Hey, listeners, do you fucking love music? Because we do. And if you fucking love music, please consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash on the record music, where for just $5 a month, you can have access to our private podcast where we go in depth on albums, do extended album reviews, do impromptu shows, do live shows, legacy albums, lots of great content on the Patreon, on the private podcast, because we want to share our love of music with the entire world. Look, it's really fucking easy these days to put out a video on YouTube and say, here's why this band sucks, or here are the worst songs out today, or or this song or this album is just crap. It's all clickbait. And that's not who we are. We love music. and We love sharing music. We love talking about music. We are musicians. We are music listeners. We go to concerts. We go to festivals. And that's what we want to spread to the world. And you can help us do that. If you believe these same things that I'm talking about right now, please consider joining us on Patreon. We know you have a choice with what to do with your money. And we hope for just $5 a month, you consider supporting us so we can continue to spread this message and continue our mission of just fucking rocking. So if you would, please go to patreon.com slash on the record music and join us. Now let's get fucking rocking. Hello, hello, you are listening to On The Record Music, a music podcast for those who just fucking love music. In today's episode, we are talking about things we have been wrong about in the world of music. That could be artists, albums, genres, you name it. Something that we had an opinion on and that opinion changed because we were wrong. So we're going to go through that. We're going to give you a little preview of each thing and talk about them and why we were wrong. It's kind of a fun one, so stick around. If you would... We'd really appreciate it if you'd share this with one other person. That would really help us get the word out. And also join us on Facebook and Instagram at On The Record Music. But that being said, we hope you enjoy today's show. Now sit back and let your ears melt. They hand you a joint as you walk in. It's like in. having a leadoff hitter that hits two tail. Well, you know, Jesse, you're wrong because you can never have enough guitar How's solo. that high life doing? <laughs> it's empty. <laughs> oh. Love it. I went with wine. I figured it'd be close enough to brunch time, right? So <laughs> I got coffee. I got some Baileys too. Oh hell yeah! Nice little bottle. <laughs> little bottle. That was like that was like a true seven fifty right there, man. It is. No I'm shit. I'm not drinking at all. Yeah. Not right now. Not right now. Oh, um. So I was saying. When I was going, mm. so while I was waiting for you, I put on, so I just saw this last night, um, Post Malone, so the guy, one of the guys I'm going to talk about, I don't know, are you, are you familiar with him at all? Oh yeah, I know of okay. him, I, I've heard some of his stuff, but I'm not like familiar uh, sure. with his work. Yes. Yep, so someone, so um, last night I guess, so I didn't see it live, but last night, he did a live stream with a couple other people, including Travis Barker, mm-hmm. the drummer of Blink-182. Yeah. And they did a live stream, like an hour and 20 minute show of Nirvana covers. Whoa. Yeah. And I'm watching it right now and it's pretty fucking kick ass. Damn. You have to share that with me then. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really good. So I was just jamming out to that. Like they're going hard at it. It's pretty awesome. Oh, nice. No, that sounds actually good. So, yeah, send that uh, Post Malone video to me. Is that just a video? Like, they live stream it and, and, and they have it up on their Instagram or something like that? Um, I Someone, like, tweeted a link to it. Um, uh, looks like Post Malone. Looks like they did it on YouTube. 
So oh, it's just nice. a replay of the live stream. So I can send that to you because it's from. It looks like it's from Post Malone's YouTube page. Okay, perfect. Oh yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to see that. Yeah, it's pretty kick ass. It makes me want to go play right now. Yeah, you know what's really weird? Uh, speaking of kind of like Nirvana and stuff, I when I've been uh, cruising on um, YouTube recently, like there's been like new, like weird, like little clips about like going back, talking about Kurt Cobain or Nirvana. And it's like, I haven't searched anything out like that. And that's been all this week. And then you kind of like penultimated it to that where it's uh, you're, you're reading, you're, you're watching a video of Post Malone and Baker fucking rocking out some Nirvana covers. That's kind of crazy. Simulation, yep. simulation. Somewhere around the anniversary. Yeah, okay, so I just Googled <gasps> oh. this now. Uh, Kurt Cobain died April 5th. Yeah, yeah so that's right. that's probably why. Because I, I was like, yeah. I swear I just saw some things about Kurt Cobain. So yeah, he just died, I guess, two weeks ago now. Two yeah. weeks ago and 15, no, th- almost 25 years ago. So does 24. that mean? Uh, does that mean that uh, just 26. like there's Black History and Month, and there's Women's History Month, that April now with Kurt Cobain's death is uh, Grunge Month? <laughs> grunge Month. I guess that's how it goes. Yeah. Jeez, that's nuts. Well, yeah. That, so that explains why there's just much more going on in the algorithm and people looking that up. So, and with me looking up music stuff, I'm sure that's what YouTube's uh, thinking. It's like, ah, you'll like this stuff. Yeah, this week uh, for music, I've been uh, really pretty much just been playing quite a bit, dude. Like yeah. a lot. So, like I sent you over that little riff just to kind of like, you know, mainly just to show you what the tone I was kind of working in and what the vice he gave me was pretty solid. But so I just playing a lot with my tone. So I wanted to split that tone. So I'm going to play the guitar part twice, but then have two different tones going at it. So mm-hmm. I kind of thought that's how I came along with that. But, um, I've been having a lot of fun on my electric drums so much. That's sweet. It's been great. So it was kind of nice to kind of get back into the guitar part. And so I I kind of learned a little bit more of like why I'm hearing certain sounds on my guitar, like with my volume knob and stuff. So I'm finally going to take the dive and actually dig into my guitar and really clean it out and then kind of start learning the insides a little bit more, like the very, very actual like technical side like, of it like the electrical component and everything exactly i'm Ooh, gonna try nice. to learn that so okay. um i've learned quite a bit about um trying to clean on the inside like what really works and helps uh make the pickup sound a little bit better so some bronze plating on the inside is like okay. really really good apparently for re- res- resonance and stuff like that interesting i didn't that's another area i don't know a lot about Mm-mm. like i'm just now like it's baby steps you know like i'm just now getting into like really getting into the nuances of sound, yeah. especially like with my own mixing and editing that I've been doing. It's like getting into that technical aspect. So that's where my focus has been. I've never been as like interested about like the components or like how the guitar actually works. Like I'm now just getting into those nuances of sound of like, oh, okay, like if I make these tweaks, like it sounds, you know, I can make it kind of sound how I want, but that's cool. Like, as you were saying that, I'm thinking in my head, it's like, I need to bring my guitar in to like, mm-hmm. it needs to get set up and just kind of like, it needs to go to the doctor for a checkup, basically. Like, it's been a <laughs> while, so it's due. Like, I got to bring the car into the mechanic. I got to bring my guitar in. So I got to call. There's a local shop not too far from here. I don't know if they're even still open or working. So I'm going to give them a call this week and just see. Because they do for like a hundred bucks, they'll do like, Ooh, um, nice. They'll they'll set up the whole thing, so they'll um, do some work on um, 
pretty much everything though because like i got a couple buzzing frets on my sg so like they'll fix that they'll restring it they'll make all the tweaks to like the nut and the head and all that and whatever like i don't know exactly what it is they do so like like i said i don't know a lot about that stuff yet um so for now i'm just content with taking it to the doctor and letting them handle the problems yeah definitely you know that's funny you say that too because other than me looking at my um strat kind of the inside half you know i saw on facebook one of the local people uh at music encore uh just on 24th and lindale down in minneapolis here He's talking about, hey, we're still open, but, uh, you know, I got to sell some things. So I'm kind of like, well, I don't need that much new equipment. But, you know, I've been kind of hesitating about putting a pickup on my uh, acoustic guitar, my uh, mm. my 74 Alvarez. Yep. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, is that just for, is that really trying to, will that really help my musical aspirations a little bit more? Yes, it will. And so, like, I'm, I'm kind of weighing between, like, it was my uncle's who's passed away and it's his. Do I modify it? Do I risk it? But it's like, well, no, this guy is professional down there at Music Encore. I think, uh, especially just to help him out through this time, I can't buy equipment right now. I mean, I could, but I don't really need anything. So, like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, bite the bullet, give it to him, and let's give him some money. Let's support some local people during this time. But then you're also going to benefit from it as well. Totally. So it's like, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that this week. So I got his number pulled off and give him a call this week and drop my, my uh, little Alvarez off. Hopefully right he on. goes well into surgery. Good luck. <laughs> For me, week in music is kind of an exciting week, actually, because I'm now officially for my first time ever on Spotify. Yeah. Benji's in the house. Yeah, I talked about this band before on a couple episodes, but this is a band, The Knox, K-N-O-X, and we just released a song called Time. So if you search Time by The Knox or The Knox Time, it should come up. This is just a a one-off thing that we recorded last summer actually so this was a band that got together about a year ago just over a year ago this Mm -hmm. time and we hit it off pretty quick which is really cool and started just writing and playing a lot and we ended up getting into the studio to record a track and it was just before that when we found out the other guitar player and the guy who also sings on this track was moving to Minneapolis from Chicago so we all met in Chicago and then he moves to Minneapolis where I of course just moved from Yep. so that was fun and not so fun but we still stay in contact and you know there's no hard feelings or anything and we just dropped our song finally on Spotify so if anyone's curious check that out I'm pretty proud of it I'm pretty happy with it one time thing but now we're on our own and I'm just writing and playing and doing a lot of recording myself Yep, no, that no, definitely people go get go uh, get your copy, download it. It's a wonderful little song. Ben's got a sweet little uh, guitar lick in there. It's uh, sounded so sexy. A couple different tones on that baby. Yeah, I like. It's that. also everywhere else too. So Apple yeah. Music. Um, I don't know where other people listen to their music. I thought it was pretty much Spotify, but yeah, it's it's everywhere you can find your music. Yeah, and uh, funny story, uh, Ben met these guys at a Millie Vanilli cover uh, event, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, Millie yeah. Vanilli, we were all dressed up as vanilla beans. Vanilla beans with really tough carrot top heads, I think. Yep. Oh, so delicious. <laughs> I don't. I I couldn't tell you. I I've heard the name, but I don't. I couldn't tell you anything. Blame more. it on the rain. <laughs> Yeah, they, that's uh, why I'm such a big fan. 
I wonder if uh, you can really count uh, Millie Vanilli as the only band to really cover themselves since they didn't sing the singles and then they went on the road and then after they got outed, they couldn't sing them so well. So <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they are kind of like the only bands to really cover themselves. <laughs> oh, funny. But, you know, we could be wrong about that, Ben. I don't know. You know, have you ever been wrong before musically? Once or twice I've been wrong. Really? Which Yep, is why we're here today to yeah. to talk about what we've been wrong about. Yeah, we've. Uh, I think we've all had one of those moments where, when I first brought this to your attention, it was like, "All right, what are some mistakes? What would we, what have we ever been wrong about in music? You know, like we're at this point where we like something so much, but we realize, well, in the beginning we didn't like it, or we liked them kind of in the beginning, or we had this beautiful vision of them. And then it's like, after a while, it's like, oh, they kind of lost its luster on you, kind of. And so, yeah, I just wanted to see what your opinions were of that, because I know I had a couple of situations where I've I've always thought, yeah, I pretty much, I was wrong about that aspect. And, you know, a lot of it probably does stem from when you were younger, um, and then you just grow into something, or you, you were, you know, you grow out of something. And right. so it's we wanted to go a little bit deeper on that when I first brought that up to you, didn't we? Like you said, things change, opinions change, tastes change. So like trying to avoid that, I maybe cheated a little bit on that one. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's always things that you're wrong about over time. Like a lot of times you might have like just prejudices or biases that make you think wrong incorrectly about something and then you give it more time and you come around on it or vice versa where you start listening to something and maybe you overvalue it because you're already a big fan or of this band or artist or something and then you give it a more objective listen or some more time with it and then you're like you know what I was I was wrong about this one this isn't that good yeah, no, that's the right path. That's what we always feel about on certain things that you kind of look back and you have a little more hindsight on with. Um, one of the things that really, this was a kind of a challenge to kind of look back and you really had to go through certain phases of your life. I know like some of these, the things that are on my list that I brought to the table, just kind of, I really looked at how I built up to that end result because I think that there was a strong enough feeling at the beginning where I'm like, oh no, this is the conviction that I feel about these artists or this album or this song. And it totally just changed, uh, you know, with time and with more kind of exposure to these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting what we got here. It's definitely an experimental episode. Like you and I like to have a little fun in go out on limbs to try and talk about different things. So this is an interesting one that we've got here today. So I'm kind of fun. I'm kind of curious to see what kind of fun we have as we, as we dive into this and talk about what we've been wrong about. Oh yeah, definitely. And it kind of, it kind of shows, it'll show how, how, uh, it'll just kind of show how in depth we've gone into this and like how much the other person can kind of bounce off these ideas. Cause this is a really cool list actually of of Mm -hmm. three things each that we have. So, um, should we just kind of kick it off and I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of go with it. You want me to lead off? Cause it's Uh, a pretty good one. I'll, I'll take the lead on this one this time. You want to take the lead? Yeah. Go for it. Um, so just really quick for everyone listening, what we did here was basically we each picked three things that we were have been wrong about whether it's an artist an album a band you name it three musical things that we've been wrong about so we're just going to 
bounce back and forth like we do in our other episodes, like the ones where we've talked about greatest female guitar players or guitar solos. And I'm going to share one. Jesse will share one. And we'll just kind of talk about what we've been wrong about, why we are wrong, and kind of what brought us to that journey to realize that we were wrong. So I'm going to kick it off first. Then we will not make a wrong turn on any of these, I don't think. (laughs) I can't make any promises for myself. So I'm going to start off first, and this is a band that we're all familiar with, and this is a band that we actually just recently did an album review for their most recent Mm -hmm. album, which came out in February. And so my first thing that I've been wrong about was, or is, Tame Impala and their album Currents. So the album prior to this one, when it came out, I was not a fan. I didn't really care for it, but I I think initially I was just turned off because my expectations were different. I had the wrong expectations for that album. So if you listen to Lonerism, there's so many great songs on this one that I really, really like. Elephant, Ender's Toy, Mind Mischief. So I'm going to play just a quick snippet of Elephant just to give you an idea of what I really liked about this one. So if you listen to this song, I love the edge to it. It's heavy, it's guitar-driven, it's just really in your face. That guitar riff just chugs along, and it almost it carries a lot of energy and anger with it. And a lot of this album has that same kind of driving, biting guitar. So I really like that. And when Currents came out, he went very much the opposite direction. He Mm -hmm. went, Kevin Parker went a lot more dance heavy since more of that disco vibe. So I was hoping for more an expansion on songs like Elephant and those other songs on Lonerism. And then when I heard what was on Currents, I was just, I felt kind of let down. But after thinking about it, listening to the album more, I realized it, that was more on me and I wasn't really giving an objective listen. And the more I listened to it, and I think you, everyone should do this with albums, listen to them at least three or four or five times before you really like come down mm-hmm. on where you're at and listen to them objectively. Don't listen to them to try to find bias. Listen to them in all contexts too. Sit down and listen to it and just focus on that. Put it in the background while you're cooking, walking your dog, whatever. Listen to it in all contexts because you pick up different things. Sometimes I really like half paying attention to an album, like if you're cooking, because you're not actively listening to it, but you might pick out something. Mm -hmm. Like something stands out to you while you're doing something. You're like, oh shit, that took my attention away from what I'm doing. That must be good. And you go back and listen to it. You're like, oh, that was cool. But listen to it. Listen to albums in all contexts. But again, the more I listen to it, the more I really started to come around in this album. There's lots of good tracks on here. And one of my favorite tracks, there's the popular ones. um, Cause I'm a man has been a big one. The less I know, the better. A lot of those songs that have gotten a lot of radio play, um, let it happen eventually. But one of my favorite tracks is Disciples off of this album. And again, this is one that is far away from what you might hear on Lonerism. But it was one of those, just the more I listened to it, the more I realized I was was wrong. And he does a really good job of songwriting and crafting songs, even though it wasn't in a style that I had hoped it was. 
No, I definitely love Currents. Yeah, that one took a few listens for me as well to get around, but I never th- was like disappointed by it. So I don't think I really put too much expectation on it because other than uh, Lonerism and Inner Speaker, I mean, those were the only two albums at the time. I, I really didn't have like a really good grasp on who uh, Team Impala was. So it's like hearing Currents was kind of like, okay, I kind of see where you guys maybe want to go now. You know, just Kevin Parker, I mean. But I mean, I can see where Kevin Parker kind of wanted to go with his sound. And I thought it was a pretty good logical step, especially after you gave it a few listens, like you said. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, if I was going to be honest, Ben, if we didn't listen to a lot of our albums multiple times, I would guarantee you we would probably give lower scores um, on all of our album no, reviews if no we doubt. didn't give a, a hard listen, you know. And so that is a very valuable listen, li, uh, lesson is to listen more often to these albums and just really give them an opportunity to kind of play their course a little bit and currents is one of those that does give you you know you need a couple listens and you kind of get it um it's not like volcano with temples um that one even though you listen to it several times it's still good but it it really is you know to me i think currents is a is a better step um in the tame apollo you know uh progression than what volcano was for uh temples although it was a really good sound but it was just a different expectation i think and i think that's where i fell with volcano just like you did with currents almost no doubt and what you said too about if we didn't listen to these albums multiple times they'd probably have lower ratings one prime example i think for me of that is the black keys newest album let's rock we reviewed that one in episode eight so way early back so that album review is probably going to sound a little bit different from what we do now but that was one of those albums. The first couple times I listened to it, first I was hooked. I was like, damn, this is heavy. I like it. But then it kind of got monotonous for me after like a first listen mm-hmm. or a second listen. But then I listened to it, you know, three, four, five, six times. And you really start to pick out the differences in the songs. And that's one that really grew on me. And I think, I don't know if it ended up making my top albums of the year or if it was a close runner up. I think... We'll have to go back and listen to the tape on that one in our episode 25, 2019 year in review. But either way, I think that's a prime example of one that grew on me the more I listened to it. And had I just given it that one initial listen, I probably would have given it a lot lower rating. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I know I would have uh, probably given a few albums way lower listenings if I just would have stuck with the first listen. Um, actually, the Ava Brothers may have gotten a slightly higher one, so they they benefit. They did yeah. not benefit from me listening to more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ava Brothers. <laughs> they're know, good I, musicians I, they're good and they're people. a great band, and I like them a lot. Yep. But this album was just not not what we wanted. Oh, I know. So what do you got for us? Speaking of you, let's hear what you've been wrong about. uh, So uh, since you went with the album, I only had one album on my choice. And this one's going to be, I've mentioned it once before in a podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but um, I'll go the album route as well. And this album, when I was growing up and really starting to learn about the Beatles and kind of like... Uh, rock and roll just in general um this album was kind of always been around it's always been talked about very much like the you know are you experienced sergeant peppers um led zeppelin four but you know many more other albums that are just outstanding this one definitely is always in the top five albums mentioned of all time and i really you know it i don't know how to bring this up ben it's pet sounds by beach boys and i want to say that i was wrong because as I 
studied more about pet sounds, I kind of fell out of love with it, actually. And it's kind of weird. I know this is going to be like kind of controversial. People are going to like stab us and like want to burn, burn my house down. But it's like pet sounds, I don't think is an all time great and is kind of overrated after I've studied it and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, basically I grew up believing it was one of the greatest because people told me it was, it was influential. Um, it just in, 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 in all the time and everything like that. And when, if I look at the personal reasons why I did like, like it, it was more of like, you know, God only knows the romantic in me. That song is so fucking fantastic. It's so lovely. It's got beautiful harmonies, great music. It's such a beautiful tune. Um, Sloop John B is a great tune, uh, as well. That one is just so catchy. It's very beach boys. Oh, it's just so fantastic. Um, wouldn't it be nice as in an excellent song as well. Um, it's really one of those perfect songs that leads an album to it's it's what i've always thought i'm like this is a great song to kick off an album um and so i have uh, admiration for it uh it, it does have a few other tracks in there that i do enjoy um and i gotta say i know the context i i know the history behind it but hindsight to me just shows it's kind of glorified surf music Oh, I know a lot of people are going to hate me for that comment. <laughs> I, uh, I'm serious. The lyrics going through up and down after you kind of listen to them and you're not just, you know, looking at the individual songs that came from it. When you look at the yep. overall lyricism of it, it kind of is simple boy, girl, poppy themed still. Um, mm-hmm. As we know, um, you know, if you look at uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice, it's so childlike in its approach, even though it's so, it's a beautiful, catchy song, wonderful music, beautifully sung. The, you know, the yep. lyricism is not that really compelling. It's just kind of nice, kind of like pop music, but a little more fulfilled. Um, you know, I, one of the things that you go into it is this isn't really um, the Beach Boys, it's just Brian Wilson. So it's a lot yep. of just him with other. Uh, studio musicians and so when you when you look at well actually before I jump into that I'm going to say something with the, uh, the the complexity of the, the lyrics a little bit more is that what inspired Brian Wilson to do this was Rubber Soul the Beatles Rubber Soul and that showed the wonderful um, uh, growth in their lyricism at most that was the Beatles kind of using their Dylan-esque moments and writing more in you know personal songs mm-hmm. um, what they don't know at that time is that the Beatles were in a self-proclaimed like you know writing uh, block kind of a thing so this stuff was like being forced out and the lyricism was very true to who they were. There was growth in those lyrics. You know, there are other bands out there like the birds and uh, Buffalo Springfield, um, Jefferson airplane coming out with better lyrics overall at this time that really still outshine what the lyricism of the beach boys was for pet sounds. Mm -hmm. So I think lyrically there are some misses, uh, going on there. So now let's go back to the studio, uh, musician part that I was going to talk about, which means, if you look at the history and the building of uh, Pet Sounds, the Beach Boys only sang on it other than Brian Wilson. I think he's played quite a few other instruments on there, but nobody else really played that much on there. Over 
like 80 studio musicians and professionals helped Brian uh, Wilson create this in uh, about a nine month span. When you put that much money into a project, you're going to get a really good effort, I would think. You know, there are many artists that probably have failed with that much money, as I'm sure, sure. we all know. Yep. But when you got the genius of Brian Wilson, and I'm not trying to steal genius away from him because a lot of the production work and the sounds that he was hearing is from him. And so that genius is got to be credited. You know, I'm giving him 50 stars out of 10. Mm-hmm. Great work. But when you put that much effort and that mo- and you get all the right musicians to play everything, you are going to get something good, I think. Now, you take a look at Rubber Soul, what Influence did. You know, it was created in three weeks by a total of six contributors. Then, if you're going to say that Pet Sounds, you know, influenced Revolver and Sgt. Pepper here, we'll get to that in just a second. Revolver in itself, in in like, uh, I think it was July to August, uh, they recorded, they created that in eight weeks with a total of 20 musical contributors. And if you take out Yellow Submarine from the catalog and that album, the contributors to the album shrinks down to 12. Mm. When you look at Pet Sounds, it is a beautiful piece of music, but, you know, for the influence onto the Beatles and what it really, it's not really the Beach Boys, it it is a, you know, Brian Wilson thing. I really don't, you know, find that it's that... Powerful. I don't think it's that grand. Um, to me, I think when you get into like good vibrations, which is supposedly you know the cherry on top for Pet Boys, I really look at that as the the swing into what was supposed to be Smile. I think that was the direction that Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys were gonna be going after that. Mm-hmm. And you know, Good Vibrations is you know a fantastic song and definitely deserves its um, you know accolades and stuff. But it's more of a after pet sounds kind of a thing that they did with that. So another thing that really kind of changed in that that I was wrong about was did pet sounds really influence and inspire Revolver and Sgt. Pepper? All my life I have been hearing, yes, it did. And so I kind of believed it, especially when you hear certain things. But when you look back and I've studied the Beatles quite a bit here, there and everywhere, you know, is kind of a take on God only knows um, and there's animal noises at the end of good morning good morning trailing into the um, Sergeant Pepper reprise that's about it now Jeff Emmerich the great sound producer I have this little clip here for for you to play Ben this clip here talks is Jeff Emmerich talking about Sergeant Pepper and then he talks a little bit about whether uh, Sergeant Pepper had met the competition or raise the game to pet sounds and this is what he says now the context of all this is that paul mccartney certainly and brian wilson yes. and the beach boys were yeah. in competition with each other yeah when you played back a day in the life yeah was there a sense from paul or john that they'd lived up to that challenge of pet sounds i've got no idea I, the, the pet sounds issue is all very vague to me because I know there's all this, oh, you know, Paul had a disc player or record player in the studio and he was playing Pet Sounds and blah, 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 which I really wasn't aware of. I mean, I really wasn't aware of any of this. And, and it was never really mentioned in front of us about this Pet Sounds thing, you know. Um, it's sort of grown out of all proportion. I don't know. I mean, Paul obviously talks about it, but it was ne- I was never aware of this comparison between us and Pet Sounds at that time, to be honest with you. Jeff Emmerich had only said that there was never mention 
They never mentioned it at all. Paul McCartney may have had a plane in the studio, which there is a record of him actually playing it at least once in the studio. But if you look at the history of the Beatles, John and George and Ringo included, none of them mention anything about pet sounds. And I'm going to be honest with you, I know for sure John Lennon would not be sitting around jacking off to pet sounds, you know, going, right. this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. Uh, most times, John and George would always say, that was a Paul thing, you know. And so... To me, I think Paul was more in competition with Brian Wilson than anybody else in the Beatles. And the only evidence that I see are those two contributions here, there and everywhere, which was, you know, a, a kind of a nod to God only knows. And then animal noises at the end of Good Morning, Good Morning. It's not very influential. I was very wrong. I'm telling you the truth. I look back. It is not influential on Revolver or Sgt. Pepper that heavily. Um, when you look in the in the hindsight of of it in the context of the times and stuff i'm sure that it may have made a big cultural impact for a small little bit but you know within a couple of months revolver came out and totally swept it out you know and took away from it it doesn't have that strong of a punch in my opinion but i like the album i like the complex textures of the engineering that went into it just fine but i think i was wrong and i think it is uh, I think I was wrong about the influence and timelessness of it. I don't think it really holds up um, other than glorified surf music. And yeah, I, I've got to admit that that one was the toughest one. I had to really break that one down the most to really make sure that I was correct on this. And I really do feel this way. <laughs> you know, it's funny because with the Beatles and the Beach Boys, to me, I almost connect that to like Apple and like Samsung or something of at least Apple of like maybe 15 years ago. They've kind of changed a little bit since then, but mm-hmm. Apple, especially like when Steve Jobs was around, they weren't focused on their competition. They were focused on how can we outdo ourselves? You know, how can we make even better products for the people that use our products? And to me, that's kind of what this sort of seems like of like the Beatles were out there to like push the boundary and like, how can we create this new sound? And they were aware of their competition in the same way that Apple was aware of their competition. You know, you'd be foolish to pretend that they don't exist. You have to be aware of them. But whereas like maybe with Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys to them, they felt they were like, how can we outdo the Beatles where the Beatles were like, how can we outdo the world? and push it to that Mm -hmm. next level. That's my loose, quick interpretation of that take. But I would kind of agree with that. And I agree with you in general because Pet Sounds is one I've tried to listen to it a few times and I it doesn't connect with me in the same way that like Sgt. Pepper's does. Because Sgt. Pepper's is one of my favorite albums of all time. And Pet Sounds is not. And I think there might be some bias in there, but And I say that because when I was a kid, I remember hearing the Beach Boys and thinking it was childish. As a kid, I was like, this is kind of like childish and whimsical. Whereas, and I wasn't super into the Beatles as a kid either. Like, but I remember like my mind kind of being blown listening to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds when I was probably like seven or eight years old. I had the CD and it had like three Beatles tracks on it. And that was one of them. 
And I just remember like playing that on my little boom box that I had. I had this boom box and I got some CDs when I was a kid. And there may have, I may have gotten like Smash Mouth's All Star. I don't know if that was the name of the album, but it was the album with that song on it because I was really into that at the time. Uh, uh, but there were some good tracks on that one. But I had some of these like random albums and my dad had tons of CDs. Yeah, I'm a fucking loser. Um, but my dad had a ton of CDs because he was a big music guy. And so I would like take some from his collection and bring them into my room and, and listen to them every once in a while. But I remember even as a kid, like not getting the Beach Boys and it still kind of is like that with me today where it's like now that I've been able to learn a little bit more I like I respect Brian Wilson and I respect the Beach Boys for what they did and what they've accomplished but to me I it's never clicked with me and I never really fully got it either and I totally agree with this take Mm -hmm. like I've heard so many people say how great of an influential of an album this is and I listen to it and I just don't feel the same way yeah it's one of those things where I actually, I did believe it growing up because, you know, I did have such an affinity for um, God Only Knows. I really loved uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice. Um, if you look on there, uh, Caroline No is a pretty decent little tune as well. I think it's the last one, if I remember right, that ends it. And then, um, you know, what's the one song yep. that's on there? If I, uh, I know there's an answer. That's the one. It's uh, Hang On To Your Ego, I think was the other name of it. Um it, you know, it, it's got good songs, but I think I elevated it because I did have such an affinity, especially for God Only Knows. And I and, and you hear about how influential it was, but, you know, in my years, you've seen my bookshelf. I have close to about 20 biographies just on the Beatles themselves. Mm-hmm. I've studied them quite a bit, and there is very little evidence other than Paul McCartney saying that he was in competition with Brian Wilson. And Brian Wilson, not necessarily the rest of the Beach Boys, was in competition with the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to me, it just makes it feel like that I know I was wrong because I don't really think, like, if I studied it just as well as we have with these other albums, I really have to say to myself in my quote-unquote expertise, um, it, it feels like glorified surf music to me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And there is yep. great music in it, but it just doesn't feel like it's an elevated rock album. It doesn't feel like it's anything. It's more in the pop realm than it is in rock realm. Yep. Yeah. That's n- not a bad take and not a bad thing to be wrong about. Yeah. I, d- I don't cry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on and tell you who I was wrong about next. And this one is one of kind of the opposite way of, again, I thought it was thought this was bad and now realized it's good. And it's who we talked about at the very, very beginning here. And this is an mm-hmm. artist that when I first heard of him, I didn't know a lot about him. To me, I just kind of wrote him off as another pop act based on show and personality. He's got a very distinct look, uh, face tattoos, very grungy, grimy look. So I thought it was just a person like, you know, who has music written for him, but has a big enough personality to pull off the music. But is this Mike Tyson we're talking about? It might be. Yeah. Mike Tyson got into music. (laughs) He sings songs like, hey, baby. You think he'd be a tenor? I think he'd be a tenor. (laughs) He probably would. (laughs) Let's see. How would Mike Tyson sing the Beatles? Let's see. What's a Beatles song that I could sing? Or or Mike Tyson. (laughs) Hey, Jude. (laughs) Yeah. What is your best Mike Tyson? I I don't. I don't think I've ever tried a Mike Tyson. I've tried. I've tried it. A Mike Tyson Tyson. impression. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't do it. It's just weird. (laughs) 
this one's called God Only Knows. <laughs> That's not even close. Um, but the person I'm talking about here is Post Malone. So Post Malone is relatively, you know, relatively speaking, new to the music scene. He's been big for a while now. But Post Malone, young guy, only 24 years old currently. And so he's been kind of in the limelight probably at least four or five years. So since he was maybe a late teenager. Um, but like I said, I wrote him off as just kind of another pop music. I'd only really heard his music in passing at bars and places, parties, things like that, where I'm not in control of the music. Um, but I heard more and more people really talk about how good his music was. And a lot of these people of these friends were friends that didn't listen to the same music as me. So, you know, they're listening to mm-hmm. either pop radio or, or rap, hip hop, people in that realm. So I always kind of like took their opinion second rate. Um, but I kept hearing more about him. And so I, I gave his music a shot and I, I liked it the first time I heard it. Um, but then I saw a video that kind of changed my mind. And this is a video. I'll play this clip for you. It's a Post Malone doing a cover of Bob Dylan. And he's playing Don't Think Twice on the guitar. And here's a little bit. of Here's a little clip of that. When your rooster crow at the break of dawn, look out your window and I'll be gone. You're the reason that I'm traveling on. So this is one of those videos that kind of changed my mind because I got to see him in a different light and really understand, like, he's got a musical talent. He can sing and he can play the guitar. And that sounds easy, but it's easier said than done. And I went through his catalog a little bit more, and he had an album come out in 2018. And when that one came out, I listened to the whole thing through, and I was really impressed because this sound is kind of unlike anything that I've heard. And the reason I think I'd written it off was like a lot of his stuff is kind of some of the songs are superficial. Like the name of the album is Beer Bongs and Bentleys, which, you know, to me is like, that's fine. But I was like, okay, whatever. But listening through that album, I was like, damn, like, these are really good songs. And it's really hard to peg it down to a genre. You might think just initial impressions, it's like hip-hop or R&B, but it's not. There's a mix of grunge in there. There's a mix of mm-hmm. hip-hop and R&B. There's, it's a lot, it's an amalgamation of a lot of different music. And it's still not my favorite music, and he's not my favorite artist. But I was very, very wrong to write him off as just another pop musician because he's far better than that and he's got a lot of different songs his songs are very well crafted very emotional uh, just a good general use of songs i'll play you a few other clips of some other songs that he's done um one this one here that i'll play really quick is called paranoid does a really good job using his voice to convey emotion over the the cool beats and things that he plays um but it's not just me who now thinks he's a good artist i mean i think you could tell someone i would say and mostly this probably isn't a hard and fast rule but people when they start to get accolades from their peers or other people in the industry i think that's a sign and he even did a song with ozzy osbourne and you know, if Ozzy Osbourne is willing to put his name on a track, yeah. I think that's a sign that he's pretty good. So here's a little bit of clip of Take What You Want featuring Ozzy Osbourne. 
So definitely a different style than what you and I are used to talking about on this show. Not that we ever not talk about him because, you know, we've done like Lizzo. And so we've gotten into pop and hip hop Mm -hmm. a little bit. But again, this was just an artist that I had written off. But go back and listen to some of his stuff. And even if you're like us, more guitar driven people, more rock band, rock and roll stuff. I mean, this guy is rock and roll, even though his sound might not be initially what you think of rock and roll. I was definitely wrong about Post Malone. Oh, and before we move on, so what we were talking about earlier, just last night, so I'm glad we pushed this back, this recording back to today, because had we recorded yesterday, like planned, I wouldn't have this video to talk about. So just last night, so this would have been April 24th, he did a live stream with Travis Barker of Blink-182 and a couple Mm -hmm. other guys who I don't know, but they did a full like hour and 15 minute set of Nirvana covers and I'm about 20 minutes into it and damn, this thing is good. It's just a lot of fun to watch. Just He's playing a Gibson Les Paul and just hammering out these Nirvana tunes. He's got a great voice, great energy. Go check this out. It's pretty damn awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. For, I can't wait to check that out because you you gave it pretty high accolades there right before the show. So yeah, Post Malone. I've I've always heard him and I've always like. I think I've heard him through like hanging out with my friends that will kind of listen to a little more of that style. Yep. And um, you know, I kind of feel like I've always had a good opinion that whenever I've heard of his name, I've always kind of thought like, nah, that, that, you know, like I have good. Um, experiences just listening to his music so I kind of think that he's a good artist just in that general kind of vein but I never have delved that highly into his uh, catalog and I love seeing the Bob Dylan uh, cover but then also knowing that he's worked with you know Ozzy Osbourne um, Post Malone definitely does feel like somebody that does kind of like circle around in every pool of music almost and uh, he knows everybody it feels like in every little aspect too so that it at least kind of helps him grow into a better artist uh, every time that he's working with no them. doubt you know, so that's that's definitely something I want to throw on my list is a little more Post Malone now. Yeah, highly recommend it. Throw them on while you're making some dinner. Yeah, yeah. So, shall I uh, jump on to my next one? Yeah, let's see. What are you wrong about next? So, here's, uh, we'll go the positive way. We'll save the, the nasty, funny one for uh, uh, afterwards. Good. I think um, that one needs to be saved because I like that one too. <laughs> yeah. So we'll go go with uh, an artist that I was uh, wrong about in the sense that I didn't really care for his singing voice. I didn't really care for um, the songs that you was kind of like, you know, familiarized. Uh, being in Duluth, Minnesota, we had a radio station that, you know, uh, KQ uh, DS, not RS. RS is down in the cities. KQ DS is the Duluth Superior radio station. And, you know, they would have a really good cycle of like different artists, but it'd be like usually the four or you know, three or four same songs that would cycle through all the time. And he was one of them. Um, and I'm talking about Van Morrison. Um, I was wrong that, you know, of him as a true artist and songwriter and singer, because, um, when I look back at my childhood, Ben, it's like, who doesn't have, you know, like that guitar riff from Brown Eyed Girl embedded in their soul, you know, especially with us, you know, coming, being a baby boomer, you know, our parents were baby boomers and Gen Xers. That song has been throughout the whole fucking time. I got, I got a funny story about that song. Do it. Um, So I don't know how old I was. Maybe I was pretty young, maybe 16 or 17. And I had been playing guitar for a while and I had learned that riff. So I knew that riff and I was playing with my dad's cover band. So he was in a a cover band at this time. And every once in a while, they'd 
let me sit in with them. And so we were playing some like block party or something. And I knew that song and I'd been playing that riff earlier. And I, we were going to play that song during the show. And so we were going to kick it off and they were going to let me kick off the song. And I fucked up that riff so bad. (laughs) So bad. I mean, not so bad where like I at least kept time. So like the band was able just to like take over and jump in. But oh my God, I fucked up so bad. Like I played, you know, the first two notes like the da 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 da. I probably got through that. Mm -hmm. And then like that next part, like my mind just went blank and everything just it like clunked through. It was like I couldn't oh. even tell you how the rest of it went. But I was able to at least like keep the time. So it was like the band knew when to jump in, but oh man, it was yeah. bad. I don't know if anybody noticed cuz like people weren't super paying attention to us. Like there were some people dancing, but like I think I got away with one cuz I don't think anyone noticed or would have cared cuz it wasn't people who were there for the music. They were having a block party. But Oh my god, I I felt so bad and so embarrassed, and I learned a lot that night. Did you uh, did you have a little extra baggage in the back end there? Did you shit yourself? I mean, <laughs> how did, I mean what did you do? <laughs> well, I think I was just probably sweating a lot. I mean, we played it off, and like like I said, like the song went on. Like it wasn't so bad where we had to like restart the song, but it was enough where like I was like, oh fuck, this was bad. No. Oh. You know, honestly, yeah, I don't even know if the suck. rest of the band knew. I knew the other guitar player knew because he kind of came in and saved me. But mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was one of those where you just like, oof, okay, I got, I got some work ahead of me. Yeah, that's that's one of those where you, 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 I think everybody else is just counting on the time. That's all that they're worried about. So they'll, you know, they'll get you covered. Yeah. <laughs> Well, going to the actual guitar riff, uh, Brown Eyed Girl is like the one that I, you know, that I think we're all synonymous with, especially if we're down playing the guitar riff. <laughs> um, <laughs> or fucking it up. But really, you know, what else came along, I think that really stuck to me was Domino, which is is a great song, um, and Wild Nights. They all kind of played a lot around my childhood. So it's like I heard those and it's like I associated them with Van Morrison and you do have to admit, he does have a weird singing voice, you know, kind of a rare, yep. noticeable, distinguished uh, singing voice. And so I really wasn't tuned into it. And so you can't really say that I wasn't in tune to weird singing at the time because I was very much into Joe Cocker, you know, and that guy has the weirdest singing voice of all time. Um, uh, I guess other than Yoko, but... That- <laughs> Uh, that's an inside Beatles joke. So, um, but no, you know, so like I was never like a really fan of his singing and stuff. And I also recognized that Gloria was around when he was with them and I never liked that song either. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I had these kind of different things. Um, in fact, I really thought Gloria from Patti Smith is actually a better song and I don't know if they're intertwined or not, but it's like. I, you know, I really didn't like a lot of the Van Morrison that I heard other than, you know, it it got overplayed and I really wasn't a fan of his vocals. Uh, Kind of, it was when I was at grandma's uh, as a cook that I had heard the song Moondance and that caught my interest because his, it was very jazzy. It was kind of like way different than what I've heard on the other ones. And so one of my coworkers told me about it and, um, 
I you know, went home and my dad had it on CD, so I listened to the full album, and I liked it very much. Um, it was pretty solid. Um, so I kind of, it elevated him for me. It wasn't like he was like, I don't really care for him. Now it's like, okay, I, I see some respectability in him, but I didn't like want to go deep. Like the full album, Moon Dance, sure. wasn't that great in my book but it, there were songs on there that just really made me go ah uh, you know I like this guy a little bit more but it's nothing that like that drove me to him I go okay more respectable at least um, mm-hmm. when I was at the U uh, University of Minnesota I was uh, doing some attic Greek homework at Stubborn Herbs you know just as every good student should um, when school's yep. in session <laughs> but I was there just chilling Angelo comes around the corner and he and I just start talking music and this regular that used to come in Dead serious, Ben. I'll set the I'll set the whole stage here for you. You ready for this? No, Scott would be in there like two o'clock, and he would every day clockwork two two p.m. at two o'clock, and then he would leave at four. It was like perfect. So he came in, he overheard our conversation, and he I said something about I'm not a big fan of Van Morrison other than Moon Dance, and Scott goes, "Oof, you got to take a listen to Astral Weeks," and I'm like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah." get ready for this routine he goes you know get your cocktail out put the album on make sure you got your doobie take a few hits get the get the roll going with the doobie then you hit play so since i kind of you know figured that was my normal routine anyway except for just changing albums i figured why not i'll just slip it in what's the harm so i bought the cd um and then i put this i put astral weeks in did the routine scott told me and you know the very first song is the lead, the title track here, and we'll give you a little sample here. And this is the first thing that I listened to high and had in my first sip of cocktail. If I ventured in the slipstream between the viaducts of your dream, and so. This opening, the lead song, Astro Weeks, nearly had me in tears. I just loved the brushing sound of the guitar. The, the, the production value of this was extremely wonderful. His vocal was very soft, very much like the Moon Dance version rather than that trying to screaming domino and brown-eyed girl version. This, this like really bowled me over. This was an elevation of Moon Dance, what I heard, and... So this really struck me in beautiful orchestration through it. I'm serious. This nearly had me in tears, and it thankfully was not because it was bad marijuana. It was actually because Van Morrison touched me, and this guy Scott at Stubborn Herbs, he was fucking spot on because this song, this album in general just blew me away, um, and this really elevated him in songwriter status as well as singing because his singing in here is amazing, but it's also the songwriting ability, a lot of it very acoustical but very floral, earthy, and it's just a really gorgeous, gorgeous album, and this is another one of those that I would say is like a Sunday album. Mm-hmm. Or it's like Kramer on Seinfeld. Those are my everyday balloons. This would be like my everyday album, I think. Sure. This was It's so lovely, and, and it's another side of Van Morrison that I was not into at all. So it took me till I was 25 after being very, you know, very musical throughout most of my late teenage years up to that point. You know, so I had a good 10, maybe 12 years studying rock and roll, and I totally avoided Van Morrison 
just like that because you know I, I just had a little bit of overplay with him I just was not jumping into that vocal performances of his this sold me completely basically it, uh, I don't even have a good metaphor to say with it it just really got me into him so it went from you know, Astro Weeks, I re-listened to Moon Dance with a little bit more perspective. Then Tupelo Honey is wonderful. Great kind of country and style. So fantastic. And uh, his band in the street choir is so fantastic as well. Uh, that's where Domino leads off uh, the album. So it has a little more context now. I actually mm. have a little more context behind mm. Domino rather than just being a single that I hear on the radio get overplayed. So it was beautiful to have that. And so now I got way more perspective in the Van Morrison and... Uh, Scott from Stubborn Herbs, who's, who wasn't a regular there when I lived near there for a couple of years after that, but whoever he is in this world, uh, thank you for showing me the good side of Van Morrison that I would have never explored. That's awesome. Van Morrison is one of those artists that I have a lot of respect for and I really like when I listen to, but haven't done the deep dive. I think I've listened to Astro Weeks and Moon Dance and Tupelo Honey, like a probably listen to all of them but never seriously and probably never enough so i know he's one of those that's always been kind of just orbiting around my mind of music of like i need to spend more time with van morrison and i just haven't i've listened to the the big playlist so i'm familiar with his work especially the popular songs and the big songs but he's one of those great voice great voice and i just mm-hmm. don't know for whatever reason i haven't gone into it but i'm, I'm glad that was someone that you're now flipped about in your opinion no no it's definitely one of the best i mean that's one of the biggest spikes i can tell you that i've experienced of going from nah i don't really care about the artist that much yeah a couple nice songs to like no he actually put out four phenomenal albums in a row it's like wow all from like 69 70 to about 74 i think i think about around there and it's like, damn, that's that, you're talking like CCR Beatles, like Ash, where you're just shoving a lot of shit in a short amount of time. And it's like, wow, and it's all yep. very, very quality. So he mm-hmm. definitely, uh, he uh, is a good artist that I would, I would stand behind a lot. No doubt. All right, I'm gonna hit you with my last one. So my last one, I maybe cheated a little bit because when we had talked about this, we kind of were on the boat of artists and albums. So I'm I'm kind of cheating a little bit with this one, and I'm going with the whole genre of something I was wrong about. So when I was growing up, as a early teenager to mid-teenager age, I was a huge fan of the modern hard rock and metal scene. Loved it. Couldn't get enough. And it probably coincided with the same time in Rochester, Minnesota, we started to get a lot of bands coming through town and a lot of bands didn't normally come through town and but it, it was bands like shine down puddle of mud theory of a dead man papa roach see they're bands like that that were coming through town a lot so i got to see a lot of those concerts because we didn't have a lot coming through and when those were coming through my dad was like all about going to these shows and so i was like hell yeah let's do it and i really really started to like these bands breaking benjamin was one of my favorite bands at this time and it just dominated what I was listening to at the time because a lot of my friends were listening to rap and hip-hop and Mm -hmm. I liked it but Mm -hmm. it was never my favorite thing I was always a guitar driven guy even as a kid and obviously when I started playing guitar when I was probably 12 13 14 years old 
that it drove a lot of what I was listening to. And so I, I really liked that kind of music. And once I went to college in the fall of 2009 and going on from there, I got exposed to a wider variety of music as one does when you get to college because you meet new people and everyone's listening to something different. And so I just discovered a wider variety of music. And in, I think it was 2013, maybe the summer of 2013, that's when I had first discovered The Current, the radio station that you and I talk about quite a bit. And that exposed me to even a wider variety of music. So it was through that process that once I went back and listened to a lot of these bands, I just realized and discovered that they all kind of sounded the same. They're the style of the songs were all similar. It's drop D, heavy riff sound, very similar song structure. Lyrically, the content was similar. There's not a lot of guitar soloing. And it just, to me, I was listening to it and it was just monotonous. And I was like, you know what? This isn't that great. And part of that too was I started to realize even having not really listened to a lot of those bands for maybe three or four or five years, and then listening to the new stuff that was coming out. Like when a new band would put out an album, I'd listen to it and it would sound the exact same as the album before it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I hate to even lump them in there because I think they're a very, very good band and they have some great work, but like Avenged Sevenfold, I would put in kind of this category of Avenged Sevenfold, I would say compared to any of those bands that I just listed, far and above, above. like talent wise, yes. way better, musically better. But again, they're one of those bands that a lot of their albums started to sound the same. And their album that came out just after their drummer, The Rev, died, um, I think it's called God Hates Us. I think that's the name of the album, or there's at least a track on there. That album is fucking great. But then they came out with like Hail to the King and a few other albums after that. And it just kind of all sounded like the ones that came before it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt about a lot of these bands. Like, for example, I'm going to play you a couple clips of Breaking Benjamin. So this track, this first track is from 2006 that I'll play. And this is a great song. It's called Diary of Jane. So now I'll ask, do you like that? This is a good one. I like this. Yeah, a, a pretty kick-ass song. Like, lots of energy. Like, maybe brings back some nostalgia. I was, like I said, I was a big Breaking Benjamin fan. I think a lot of their early stuff is pretty good. But here's a song. So I just saw that they came out with this song. It's called Far Away. And let's listen to it for a few seconds here. So one of these songs is from 2006 and one of these songs is from 2020. And when you listen to them, they could be off the same album. The songs yeah. are a little different, but it's pretty much the same. Like not much has changed in the 14 years between these two songs. And that was one of the problems that I had Ooh. with this style of music in which kind of changed my mind is there wasn't a lot of evolution to the genre. And then even more bands got introduced to the genre and they were being billed as rock music. And this is something that really kind of turned me off. Like 21 Pilots, for example, is not rock music, but they get lumped in with a lot of these rock music bands. So here's a 
clip of a 21 pilot song just to give you some context I'm falling, so I'm taking my time on my ride. So, one pilot should be zero pilots. <laughs> so yes, there's some drums and a guitar in this music video, but it's not rock music, but they get played on a radio station like 93X, the rock station in Minnesota, and it gets billed with all these other bands, but this is pop music, <laughs> like through and through. And not to say that it's bad, it is what yeah. it is, I don't care for it, but it's not rock music. And it's just that kind of drove me off another band that i think gets lumped that i lump in here is imagine dragons they get billed as rock Ooh. music so any of this modern rock and metal music here's an imagine dragons clip are you sure you want to turn this on to people <laughs> we'll keep it brief So again, this is another band that gets billed as a rock band, but this is not rock music, like at all. It's a generic sounding pop song. Like there's a big drum hit that this the one of the guys does that he has sticks and he hits a big drum, but it's it's not rock music. And really what all of this music is to me now, it's pop music disguised as rock music. Mm-hmm. So it's pop music, but with the quote unquote edgy attitude you know the the black jeans and black shirt and the tattoos and the what i thought post malone was mm-hmm. you know pop music disguised as rock music where post malone is more rock and roll than really any of these bands or artists oh, are now so yeah it's just one of those where it was like i in a way i kind of felt duped and i don't think there was anyone intentionally duping anyone but i think also there was just this incorrect categorization of all of this music and you know at a time it was good because no, it was new I it was different it was, it's called marketing and <laughs> they wanted to suck you in ben. yeah they wanted to suck your dollars in right and a lot of this stuff was new and different and edgy at the time especially in 2005 2006 7 when a lot of this stuff was new and yeah i think it was good at the time but it never changed but it's still to this day a lot of this is still getting pushed on the radio and there's no progression in it and so i i was definitely wrong about this i liked it at a time but my opinion changed and it it is not good no it it no i've yeah i've never understood that i got to see imagine dragons uh live and what's another band that kind of gets lumped in with them they're like awol nation i would kind of put in that group no, who was it that fun is does fun get labeled uh, as a rock yeah. band too? Because they're really poppy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. so I got to see Ta-da. both those guys together, and we it was not a great young. show. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I got to see them at the uh, Riverside Theater. Or what's the what's right next to XL? Is that um the Riverside? Roy no, Wilkins. What is it called? Roy Wilkins. Yep. So I saw them at Roy Wilkins. Both those people, and it is like. Yeah, both these bands are not a rock show. I don't know why yeah. the hell I'm here, you know? Right, right. But, yeah, you look at that, you're... Were you you're, trying to get um, laid or what? You're... Uh, what's that? Were you trying to get laid? No, I was with my older friend who likes uh, Imagine Dragons. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I really like their music. There's some good rock. Oh, funny. <laughs> he has a lower voice than that, but I didn't want to do his voice, so that 
he didn't know who I was talking about. Right. But no. Um, so you, you look, I really love your example of the breaking Benjamin. Um, cause literally when I listened to, to the 2006 to 2020 version, it's, 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 it's the same song. It's the and same there song. There is nothing that really, whatever. And so that is kind of like what I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of those people that are saying that all of a sudden you're just a money making machine. You're not a music making machine. And it's like, yeah, you can play your instruments, but are you necessarily make truly making music? Right. You know, it's kind of like, that's the noise pollution. I think ACDC was, you know, talking about, except for not in the cool way, but in mm-hmm. the pussy way, you know? Right. And so I think, um, I think that's just kind of, uh, it's a shame that that rock music, uh, is considered rock when it really isn't. I, I agree with you. It's like it's put into uh, a, a genre of its own almost. It, it should be. Right. And yeah, I, w- I wouldn't call it rock music. There, mm-hmm. It's just, it's a time and a place and it fit really well when it did. But the fact that a lot of it continues and continues to get pushed, but there's no change in it, that's what changed my mind. And I was wrong about that. And then there's still people who listen to it like, Oh, this is so great. I love this. And if that's what you're into, I'm not knocking that. I just think there's more out there for you. I would I would uh, second that. <laughs> Le- leave the small town and go to the big city for a weekend just to yeah. experience just, you know, just a, little a bit. different yeah, culture. Or go from toe. the big city to the small town, whatever. Dip your toe. Dip your toe. <laughs> so... Well, uh, since uh, we kind of cleaned up there, should we talk about other, uh, my last one, which also speaks of not rock music? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited to talk about this one, too. Let's go. (laughs) This one, uh, this one rooted in like, yeah, I don't even know how to start this because it's just funny. I'm just going to say it. I was wrong that U2 was any good. That's all I'm going to say, just because I honestly grew up um, having friends that were into them. And, you know, um, really, uh, the songs that I grew up with that I enjoyed, I like these songs I would probably sing along with and dance to, if I was going to be honest with you, from uh, probably when I heard these, I was probably seven or eight. Um, and so just kind of getting into music. And some of these songs are actually things that I re- remember from my high school or from my uh, early years. But it's like Desire is my favorite song of you, too. So I think that's a phenomenal song. Uh, with or without you has always been there. Where the streets have no names, unforgettable fire. Uh, MLK is another great one that I like um, throughout my you know going into my teen years. Um, so I just had other f- people around me that were big fans of them, and they kind of helped shape my view as well as knowing these songs were you know great you know or good in my opinion at the very mm-hmm. least. But once I started going in my early twenties, Ben, you know, right when you're really trying to dive into this, so this is literally this kind of was right before my Peter Green phase so this may have been the influence to push me towards more British blues to be (laughs) honest with you yeah but in my early 20s I you know was trying to focus on something and I chose you too because I'm like well you know I have this high opinion of them they're always selling out shows they're a really good act and you know I know many people that just dig them and I'm going to be honest, I started with Joshua Tree because it's like I heard it a couple times. And yeah, again, it had a couple of songs on there that were like, okay, these are pretty good. 
I literally was not bowled over at all with Joshua Tree. I was like disappointed and I kind of like, okay, I'll give it a second listen. I listened to it and then I'm just kind of sitting there going, this is your best one. Mm-hmm. This is your stage setter. I was kind of like, ooh, okay. I said, well, maybe I'm more of a, you know, let's see what's, you know, closer where desire is. Now, you know, rattle and hum is actually pretty decent, you know, but it's so this kind of nice mixture of live and um, studio work and stuff. So it's very good. You know, it, you know, I wouldn't go too deep on that one, but I would think, I think it's a better output than Joshua Tree in my opinion. So as I dug more into the music, I really did kind of, did not find any substance other than like their first couple albums had some good songs but it wasn't like it isn't anything like where it's a starter album that really pushes you like wow this has somewhere to go you know mm-hmm. like the um, temple's first album that one had and i thought had a lot of potential yep. and so something like what u2 was putting out i thought was a little bit better um in their early days so i literally was not bowled over i didn't have any substance out of them i've I tried to study them. It was really not that pleasing. There wasn't anything that really stuck out. Really, Desire is one of their heaviest songs. And so I kind of thought, okay, maybe there's a cool story behind them. Not really. I mean, Bono gets kind of uh, boring. It's like I kind of thought, okay, he's a philanthropist and stuff. I mean, he has, you know, some tragedy in his life and stuff, but it's like just the person that he is kind of, it's came out more pompous the more I kind of studied and read his words and stuff because I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know if I really like this guy as, you know, it kind of feels like a regular celebrity and I'm not a fan of that. You know, it just seems like he's very, very pompous about his, his way of earth. So I kind of like, you know, once that episode of South Park came out where they, uh, their assessment of Bono, um, it was, I feel like it kind of fits that to a T, I really do not care for Bono as a person either. And so this South Park clip is the perfect clip to play when describing Bono. Congratulations, Bono. It appears your record is intact. I had a feeling it would be. Wait, stop! Dad, your old crap counts. Bono never took a second crap to beat yours. Get him out of here! What are you talking about, young man? Somebody's been keeping it a secret. Bono was never the record holder. He's the record. It's not true. <laughs> Kill that kid. I fucking love I that. Dead. That's so oh. good. So if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, the uh, South Park, of course, the ever, uh, how would you describe them? Uh, <laughs> the ever Notorious, controversial, yeah, com- controversial comedians. Great show. <laughs> It's so fantastic, but they're talking about how um, Randy, the father of Stan, is going to take the world's largest poo, and Bono was the world record holder beforehand, and so Bono's trying to stop it, but what Stan found out was that Bono wasn't the record holder, he was the biggest record piece of crap. (laughs) So they're saying that he's a piece of crap, (laughs) and I totally agree with that, because just literally one of the things in you know this this is my beetle biased i know but a lot of the things that he was talking about being one of the first philanthropist rock and rollers and he's not even a rock and roller we just talked about concert for bangladesh last week because i accidentally put badfinger in 
at uh, the last waltz, but there, right there, was George Harrison selfishly setting that puppy up for the the genocide in Bangladesh and shit like that. So he's, you know, you know, definitely one of the first, you know, philanthropists right there. And a lot of great work was done out of other musical aspects. So him trying to pretend he's some great philanthropist is kind of a piece of shit thing. So, you know, one other thing that really pisses pisses me off about you too was then when we had our iPhones and they forced us having their crappy uh, yeah. fucking attempt at music shoved onto my phone. <laughs> I have one thing to say here, Bono. Blow me. I do not want your fucking U2 music on my phone. So I do not want you in my home. I do not want you on my phone. If I appear I am hell-bent, it's because I do not give you my consent. Bono, Edge, <laughs> oh you God. other two guys. I'm sick of you guys. Get the fuck out of my life. It's a little personal. So it got personal. They got it on my fucking phone. I did not give my consent for them to be on my phone, man. Hey, if I have a girl, if I have a girl's phone number way back from college because I forgot to delete it or something, it was a one night stand. That's one thing. But just having Bono attempt and you two attempt to fucking put their crappy attempt of music on my phone, blow me. Oh, that's and so I really don't uh, care for you two that much anymore. In case you. didn't notice but uh, I did actually once like them I really thought that they were a decent really good band and stuff but once I actually kind of dug into them musically number one was the main factor I was not blown away by them but the more and more I get to watch Bono dance on stage and shit like that yeah it's kind of like yeah he's, he's a pompous piece of shit interesting because to me the music just never has resonated with me much at all and I'll be honest, like I haven't given it maybe the full effort, but I've listened through the catalog here and there, you know, or you at least to. maybe the biggest albums. <laughs> right. And but whenever I've listened to it, to me, it all kind of sounds the same. And yeah. that's what never really clicked with me is it was just a lot of like that delay guitar with the chorusy effects and things so I it just never connected with me I don't feel as strongly personally about the band as you might as clearly you do um, to me when that album came out that was put on everyone's phones and iPods to me that was a free album I was like cool because like that was in the day of like you still paid for a lot of the music there wasn't streaming so I was like okay free album but I didn't care for the album but yeah, I just the music to me has never clicked and there are some people like obviously I'm missing I might be missing something because U2 goes on stadium tours. Like yeah. when I was in college at the University of Minnesota, they played their 360 tour that year and they played at the newly opened at the time TCF Bank Stadium, mm-hmm. which has a capacity of about well, with a concert like that, it was probably more than 53,000. It was probably closer to 60,000 people that sold out that stadium. So a lot of people were there, and I didn't go to that show. And I had a crack at tickets for like 27 bucks. Now, in hindsight, what I should have done was bought the tickets and resold them because I could have yeah. sold them for 100 bucks a pop. That was before my brain was different. Um, Which then I went on kind of a phase, not a phase, but every now and then like I'd buy tickets and resell them for a higher price. I stopped doing that because I don't like that at all. And I think it's kind of a shitty thing to do. Um, But at the time, I probably should have done it. But whatever. Well, you Um, had to make your money back from the fees. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Fucking. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
I knew I had to get that one in. Yeah, you knew that was just that's a that's a trigger for me. Fucking Ticketmaster and their goddamn fees. That's your U two. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it never clicked with me, and the documentary it might get loud, which is the documentary with Jimmy Page, Jack White, and The Edge. I always mm-hmm. thought it was kind of odd that the Edge was the other guitar player in this group because Jimmy Page is of those three the best guitar player. Mm-hmm. Jack White is a different style of guitar player than Jimmy Page. Jack White goes more for creativity and sound, whereas Jimmy Page just does more of the shredding. Not to oh, say he's yeah. not creative. And then the Edge is that very like unique in the sound. I'll give him that, but to me, not in the same tier as Jack White, who's not in the same tier as Jimmy Page even. And so I just thought that was a weird, still a cool documentary, but to me, he was very much the odd man out in that documentary. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, here's the thing, too, and we can kind of touch upon this real quick, is that, you know, I've seen um, many guitar lists that go on. Obviously, they're, they're objective, but they usually have the edge like in top 20 sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking like, did you just like not really dig deep or what? Because to me, I don't really, I've never really heard the edge do anything really fantastic on guitar. I mean, he might right. be a good songwriter. He might be a good um, uh, collaborator and shit like that, where he actually can compose really good songs. However, I don't see him doing anything more like I, I could tell you the Peter Frampton uh, Taj Mahal would be better. I mean, there are so many other guys that would be better than than Edge. And it's like they're lower on the list. I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? How was he up there? But you look at that. I don't think the Edge is that great of a guitar player. Their their bass and their guitar or their bass and drums rhythm section might be pretty good. Might be like stay on on, you know, in time. And Bono is definitely not the greatest singer. What he does is pretty good screams, and he can uh, stay in pitch pretty well, but mm-hmm. he's he's nothing dynamic. Yep. Yeah, just one of those. Never, never clicked, and yeah. I never really got it. And, yeah, you know, I the, the, the best thing that probably would have happened was that listening to them, it really turned me off so much that I really went into Peter Green and Fleetwood Mac. So, I mean... That's probably the best thing that I've gotten out of them <laughs> was my love for Peter Green, <laughs> Danny Kerwin, you know, and the boys. It's like, yeah. And, you know, Christine McVie was in there, too, at the time. And so it's like, fuck, yeah. It's like I, I luckily went into a better route because really that that seriously turned me off to a lot of what U2 was going on. It just there was nothing of substance there. So really quick before we end this, I did look up that 360 tour. So they played in Minneapolis at TCF Bank Stadium. So this was July 23rd, 2011. They had an attendance or capa- att- attendance of 59,843. So that's actually pretty Ooh. close. Not a bad yeah. guess on my part. They grossed 5,163,000 from that show. Pretty impressive. Overall, that tour, $736 million. Yep. They yeah. grossed almost a billion dollars on that tour. And... That 60,000 show pales in comparison to what they played in Mexico City. Oh, that's like a, yeah. 282,000 people for one show. That's insane. Imagine being in the back. Like, you'd be like a mile away. You wouldn't hear shit. Like, they would definitely have to set up, like, rows of speakers further out. 
Yeah. So you could actually hear the sound, but it would basically be like watching it on a small TV from the other side of the room. <laughs> but aren't those stadiums, those sort of stadiums are for like soccer stadiums and shit like that. So it's like they're built up, up upon yeah, each suppose. other. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because it's so not. So it'd be a little more like upward. It'd be kind of like in Alabama's uh, football stadium. But yeah. I, yeah, you would still need to have proper speakers kind of going up and down those. Yeah, I guess because it was a 360 stadium tour. I'm looking at pictures of this stadium now. Estadio Azteca is the stadium. Yeah, that's one stadium. Holy shit, that's huge. Yeah. But yeah, it's the tour itself is just insane. Brazil, they played, yeah, 269,000 people, 109,000 people, 144,000 people, 106. Like, this is insane. Um, Anyway. I I would be a roadie for that for once. I would put my hatred away. (laughs) I I could suck it up for a year to get a cut of that $736 million. I I would just be the one yelling out Freebird and Desire for my, (laughs) you know, hey, can we just do some Freebird and some Desire? I'll be down. Oh, good shit. (laughs) Such good shit. So so as you can tell Ben we're we're just like everybody else we're wrong about things and uh, we're we're uh, we're good people where we can admit it we can look at ourselves and go we're comfortable with where where we were at at one point and where we ended up now especially if it's vile hatred for a guy that wears sunglasses <laughs> indoors like a like a really I was going to say a bad word but we won't <laughs> you could swear on yeah. here I do all the time oh that's right I even yeah, say so. in the intro when I say for those who just fucking love, love music fucking and love that kind of sets the tone so <laughs> Every every episode gets marked as explicit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I guess I can say cunt. I was going to call him a cunt, but <laughs> I, I, it, it wasn't meant to be. It was just a free float and hostility, gotcha. as George Carlin would say it. I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Fair. But uh, no, we're, you know, I'm kind of happy that uh, we uh, could do this. I was going to, you know, so that was funny. You pick a genre of music and I was going to pick electronic music. How I didn't really like it as a child, but. Or, you know, growing up and it's like, like Radiohead was like my only close resemblance to any type of electrona. And so as I went a little bit later into my, like my late twenties, I kind of got a little more groove into it and shit like that. But I didn't think of doing a, a full genre. Like I didn't dive too deep into it cause I didn't have like a real, lot of good examples. So I'm glad you did. And uh, that was a really cool uh, example you played there. Sweet. So all four of those. So, so I appreciate you sharing that you're, you're a sweet guy. Glad to help out. Glad to contribute to the cause. <laughs> yeah. Well, that needle's about to be lifting up off the record, and uh, Benji and I are going to spend this Saturday. I don't know. It's it's beautiful out here, so we're going to get off the record and get outside. It and, is the uh, opposite here. It is cold and rainy. Ooh. So shit, I will well, be inside today. So you can keep your corona. I'm going to go get some UV to kill my corona. Oh, yeah. Make sure you get big gulps of it. Get that corona oh, yeah. all up in there. I'm going to lay on my car and just have my mouth open, and then I'm sure a lot of bugs are going to go in there. Make yourself a nice little bleach cocktail. Oh, I already I already sucked down all my rosé, so I, I might have to. Yeah, little little bleach. Bleach and vodka, I heard, is really good together. You know, and then if you add some bitters to it, it kind of it kind of fizzes up like a like a bubbly, like yeah. a, like one of those witches' cauldrons. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mm. Enjoy, yeah. my friend. We'll do. We're going to go and be mixologists and enjoy the sun. Everybody else, enjoy the week ahead, and we will be back with maybe an album review next week. Sounds good. Goodbye. Peace. Thank you, everyone, for listening. On your way out the door, if you'd be so kind to share this with one other person so we can share this love and get this to as many ears as we can, we'd love it. Also, stop by on Facebook or on Instagram, On The Record Music. You can leave us a review on Facebook. That'd be greatly appreciated. Or on Apple Podcasts as well. 
In the meantime, stay safe, rock and roll. We'll see you next week.